Hello and welcome to Switch It, where we feel obliged to point out that, no, you weren't dreaming, England really are 50 over world champions, men and women. It's time, however, to collect up the empties, tidy away the bunting and get the place looking livable again, because Ireland are coming to Lords and we need to, to be ready to host a test match in a couple of days' time. I'm joined in the studio by Andrew Miller and Mark Butcher, who, from the looks of it, were partied out long ago. We've, we've all had... 1998. <laughs> we've all had a lot of fun spanking the white ball hither and yon, but enough of that. Let's get back to the essence of the game, a format that's as time-consuming as it is physically and mentally draining. Duke's ball, big first hour, techniques tested and the ashes on the horizon. Ready to get back in the swing, Butch? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, really looking forward to it. Uh, huge, huge moment in uh, the history of... Irish cricket on Wednesday. Um, it's oh, we can talk about the merits. I'm sure we will of, of their of their test status and what that might mean to them going forward. But for now, it's uh, you know congratulations to all of those people that have come before the eleven players will take the take the field um, and the tireless work that's gone on behind the scenes to get Ireland to this point um, because it has been a long road and they have. Well, I think they've thoroughly deserved it. I reckon it might be about, about two years later than they would have liked it, but it, they thoroughly deserved it, um, and it'll be a great occasion. Also interested to see um, how we get 98 overs into a day when 90, generally speaking, is impossible. So that's uh, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to seeing that too. We'll come to that as well. Mm. Um, and as Butch has touched upon there, Miller, a big moment for, for Irish cricket. A maiden test against England, of course, only their third international appearance at Lords. Um are we shame that it's a sort of de facto warm-up match for the Ashes? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I would like to be more enthusiastic about this this contest. I think a lot of people probably are viewing it a little bit as a as a nuisance. To be perfectly honest, it's not it's not the World Cup. It's not the Ashes. It's a random four-day Test match right in the middle of a of a window where people are still, as you say, a bit partied out. I I don't think it's particularly fair on Ireland to to have them as, as a warm-up act. I think it's going to be a slightly weird uh, situation at Lords where England clearly are resting a whole, whole load of players, partly guys who've had a lot of workload in in the World Cup and, and, and you know, realistically they've got to take a break somewhere. But at the same time, they're going to be, you know, trying a few new combinations, new opening partnership, um, Potential two new uh, new caps among the bowlers. There's a lot to play for, but realistically, most of the people are probably playing for it a week or two down the line, and um, that I think is going to create a bit of an awkward tension. Um, it's a sort of a sort of scenario I think that's uh, set up for England having one of their pratfalls, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And and, and uh, I just wonder whether it realistically though are Ireland quite the same Ireland who gave England the ultimate pratfall in Bangalore in 20, 2011 I'm not sure they are they, well they are actually that's, that's kind yeah, of the problem, that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that, that actually the same uh, you, squad you've just touched upon something that actually gives it a little bit of a, of a free song of excitement this game because there is the potential within, you know England could really do without this game they really really could Joe Root could do with not captaining the side out there at the moment with the ashes on the horizon he could do without having sort of half a team. What he would love is to be able to play Ireland in a test match at, at Lords, perhaps in, in May, June, put out the, the strongest team that he's possibly got and try to, to try to annihilate them, just, just to wipe them off the park. Um, Welcome but to that's, well, exactly, exactly <laughs> because you know that, that would be that would be marvellous, you know, knowing that he ha- he had every single um, resource available to him to do that. What he does have is is some guys perhaps nervily making debuts um, against an opposition that have ab- literally nothing to lose whatsoever and everything to gain and a great time to be had. 
Um, and, um, you know, who knows? Tim Murta, new ball, first morning. If pitches at Lord's Blending like they did in the World Cup, it could, you know, it's gonna, it, it could be tricky. Um, and something that you absolutely do not want with the Australians all parked down the road um, with their with their sort of noses pressed to the glass watching how you're getting on. So um, that's what actually makes it an exciting four days in prospect is the fact that it could, and Ireland will sense this because, you know, underdogs always sense this. They sense that there is a chance for an upset. And certainly that would um, make it a game to remember, Miller, if the World Cup champions were to stumble into the ashes on the back of a but, defeat at Lords against the but, Irish. But would it, though? Would it, though? Because I'll give you two other, <laughs> two other games to remember that have been quite conveniently forgotten. Uh, England losing to Scotland last year up at the Grange. Um, you know, England, the, Scotland are better than England. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And also, the last time England played Ireland in quite such uh, overshadowed circumstances, I was out there in Stormont in 2009, when, funnily enough, Joe Denley made his England debut, and he may well be making his home England Test debut uh, this time around. Uh, that was, you know, that was, I think, four days after England had won the Ashes, and over they went to Stormont to play on a sodden pitch um, I think they won by one wicket in the end they scraped their way to, to victory in a bruising contest that was just just completely far removed from anything they've been playing all summer and yeah very nearly another of their glorious pratfalls so yeah as mentioned if, if Tim Murta gets gets a sort of pitch on which Colin de Grandon was bowling 10 overs 24 then uh, yeah we could be in for fun and games um, but it's going to be it's going to be a weird sort of weird preamble everyone's eyes are either still firmly fixed on what went before or very firmly fixed on what's to come um i'm not convinced too many people other than obviously ireland for whom it's a massive occasion not sure too many people are going to be in right here in the here and now this this coming week if there's uh, any levels of hitchcockian suspense it'll be because they've dialed m for murder of course (laughs) um (laughs) 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 Um, it's been a while since we've had to discuss uh, England's test fortunes Uh, so a brief reminder of of the 11 that won in St Lucia in February uh, with the series already lost of course over there Um, Burns, Jennings, Denley, Root Butler, Stokes, uh, Bairstow Moeen, Broad, Anderson, Wood. So um, it's not a dramatic overhaul in in this squad that Ed Smith announced last week a couple of interesting names though particularly uh, Jason Roy, Lewis Gregory, and Ollie Stone. Mm. Um, which, uh, j- pleased to see Jason Roy in, in the squad, I guess. But then, yeah. I mean, comes ja- to the question of how he's used. Jason Roy will be opening the batting in the Ashes, no matter what happens at uh, at Lords. I was listening to uh, the Beeb on. Well, I don't know where I was going on the way to a blast game, and um, and uh, Lord Ted was uh, basically said he's he's playing. He's in. Um, so uh, that's interesting in itself. I think there's, I don't think there's any question whatsoever that he's a, he's a fabulous player and potentially could, you know, could do anything as a Test match player. My my feeling is is that as I've said on here before that number three will be his uh, would be his perfect landing spot and perfect spot in this in this lineup as it exists at the moment. But for the, for the time being, it's going to be as an opener that he'll that he'll make his bow, dependent on what happens with Burns, Denley whatever else they decide to do um so yeah i mean I, that that's that's a no-brainer he's he, he's in he plays he'll be playing against uh, australia in the first test on august 1st um lewis gregory's interesting because he clearly is somebody that that they're looking at as being a you know potential you know if something happens to ben stokes or un, unable to bowl that he could potentially sort of be another all-rounder in england sort of arsenal of them 
I mean, his numbers in the championship this year for Somerset are absolutely ludicrous. So, um, you know, he's in great form and he's a, he's a really talented player. Um, got a good brain as well, captain's decide in the, in the, in the short stuff. Um, and so, you know, congratulations. It's a perfect time for, for somebody like that to be rewarded for, for, for consistent performances in county cricket. Um, and Ollie Stone, they've already had a little bit of a look at, haven't they, before he, before he went in the back. In, uh, so that was, what, Sri Lanka in the, in the one-day series. Um, he's got pace, um, and, they, and they, like, uh, you know, they like something about uh, the way he operates. Um, perhaps more, again, with an eye to, to, to winters as opposed to in, the, in England um, in test matches, simply because England have got an enormous amount of players. I think Sam Curran, who's also in the squad, who in English conditions are a, a fabulous, irresistible cricketers. Um, and so somebody like Ollie Stone is perhaps somebody being lined up to offer something a bit different in terms of speed, bounce, hurrying batsmen up with kookaburra balls on, on flatter pitches away from home. So that's, that's, I'm guessing that's why he's there. It would have been easy to have sort of like picked, a, picked some scene bowlers who were doing, mm. doing the business over here with a Duke, wouldn't it? I mean, that would probably have made more sense almost. But I think they want to have a look and see if he's got what it takes... Um, to sort of to crank it up and bowl sustained pace um, at test level. Uh, I suppose the question is whether he plays. Um, Miller, there's no, there's already no. Well, Butler and Stokes rested after the World Cup. Um, Mark Wood is is injured and and probably going to miss most of the Ashes. Well, they're talking about fourth test maybe being available again. Um, always, always a nervous <laughs> wait with Mark Wood on that front. Uh, Joffre Archer also gone back to Barbados. Um, not available for well, I don't think Ed Smith even knew when he was talking about the squad, um, and and a question mark over James Anderson as well. His fitness, a, a calf injury, I think, uh, suffered. Yeah, uh, with Lancashire, he is in the squad, but w- yeah, do you think well, w- would risk him, or is it, or is it, you know, lined up for Stone debut and, and then a raft of all rounders uh, uh, in support? I think I think it would be an extraordinary cock up to risk Anderson and, and end up tearing that calf it's a minor tear I think is what they said it was and, and there was also some strange suggestion from Smith and I, I, I thought it was one of his slightly off the cuff um, ad lib impresario spiels that he sometimes comes out with but no he said it twice that perhaps they might consider playing Anderson but limiting his overs I mean in a test match do you, you seriously go in with a bowler and say you're only bowling 10 overs sorry mate that's that's it no, I mean that's that that's the sort of thing that sort of you know that, that makes the opposition and then everybody else just bristle at the pure arrogance of it. Mm. I mean, you know, just if you, even if you're thinking that sort of thing, keep it to yourself. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I would, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that would be madness to even risk him. What I mean, what's the point? Yeah, honestly. I mean, it is extraordinary though. Just the, you know, the, we've we've come through this this tournament, uh, World Cup tournament, in which high pace has basically been the the weapon of choice. Uh, even even spin barely got a look in this this tournament. It was. Quick, quick bowling, quick bowling, and then occasionally on a on a dog of a pitch, you'd get Colin Grundon. But now we're talking about going back to to James Anderson nibbling around, swing and nibble, and, and subtlety, and and all the sort of things that that gone out the window a little bit uh, in in the thinking. It's right. it's going to be hey, amazing. How many how many wickets do you reckon Jimmy Anderson would have taken? He would he would have he would have bowled his ten over straight through up. and cleaned yeah. up. It would have been incredible. Absolutely. <laughs> He's, yes, he retired after the wrong World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, with that in mind, I mean, uh, uh, don't don't expect to see Jack Leach playing. He is obviously the spare spinner in the squad, uh, but Moeen mm. probably going to probably Moeen just in, because in, I guess strength in the batting. Is exactly. Right, I mean, we've got, mm. got a situation where well, he, he could have batting at five, yeah. couldn't he, Mo? Good. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, all sort of 
grist to the mill for Ireland, thinking about perhaps making, creating some sort of an upset. But it was interesting to watch Mo Bowl actually. Um, uh, where are we? Blast at Trent Bridge the other night. Mm. Really, really nicely. I mean, obviously hard to tell people having a slog, but the sort of like the, the the fizz and the curve and the and the flight were all there. Um, and got fourth or something, wasn't it? Yeah, he got fourth for sixteen, I think. Um, uh, but it, 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 interesting to see how he gets used. I mean, England will listen. That pitch at Lords was dry as it, it was dry as anything. It was just a question of with runs being at such a a premium in the in that World Cup final that you know the, the running the risk of somebody getting uh, getting o- an over away for, for for eighteen or twenty off a spin bowler just was wasn't worth the risk. But um, in a in a longer game, Mo will, will without any doubt um, you know play a part yeah. if only to try and get him through. Sort of ninety-two of the ninety-eight overscheduled <laughs> in the day. I'm back there again. Yeah, well, yeah. Yes, but, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's interesting at the moment because usually, usually when when he's been out the side, it's been some sort of crisis of confidence that that's been mm. the cause of it. But actually, in this case, it's just because his batting went to, went to pot. His, his bowling mm. has actually been in really really good place for mm. most of the year. Uh, he just he just wasn't worth his place as a batsman, and suddenly you're in a position where we only need one spinner anyway. So, thanks, Mo. Uh, warm the bench, and um, he seems he seems pretty chilled, as you yeah, say. Yeah. He looked in a good place. At, yeah. In, for Worcestershire the other night, so uh, the side, I think. Yeah. So well. yeah, so, uh, yeah he'll, he'll slot in, and, and I think he, he looks in a looks in a in a good place with bowling. And obviously, again, we've, we've talked in the past about the importance of Adil Rashid as being his, his sort of his goat to the racehorse. But uh, I think he, he almost seems to have grown out of his goat now. He, I think he <laughs> could actually be England's frontline spinner if 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 relied upon. So just we'll don't tell face. him that. Don't tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> and Butch mentioned the, uh, as well the schedule for 98 hours in the day, so it is an extended morning and afternoon sessions. I think. So have we, have we gone back to the old championship two and a quarter, two and a quarter? Have we? It is, yes, yeah. Which means yeah. which means that seven o'clock is your is your cut off. Pretty isn't much, it? yeah. Six thirty um, schedule schedule close of play with a half hour tagged on the end, seven o'clock exactly to, to get, get the 98 in. Nice. I mean, listen, I. I when I started my championship career, there were 110 overs a day in the championship, right? And at Surrey County Cricket Club at the time, we very rarely played a, a frontline spin bowler at home. At the oval pitches, still flew through a bit there, and we just didn't have the sort of you know, there certainly wasn't a sack lane lurking in the, around the place at the time. And we used to regularly come off the park in championship cricket at quarter to eight at night in the summer, <laughs> regularly because you had to bowl them. There was no you know, you didn't lose the overs. If the light was good enough, you had to keep going until they were all done. Um, so you know you'd end up with, with <laughs> you'd end up with bowling cards with nine bowlers on them. You know everybody <laughs> having to go just to try and get through. I mean, you know, we haven't found we haven't found out the solution to get ninety in regularly by six o'clock in all these years of Test match cricket, <laughs> and now we're going to get ninety eight in in a day. Good luck, good luck, everyone. Well, uh, aside from uh, that spectacle, uh, this is the first four day Test that I think England will have been played will have been involved in uh, rather since nineteen seventy one. Uh, so that, I mean, there have been obviously varying lengths of. Uh, <laughs> well, you, you say that, but they haven't been involved in five-day tests for about five years. <laughs> so that is also true. <laughs> officially, yeah. and, and also in that sense, uh, maybe uh, it'll be, you know nothing to see here. Or is it a big? Well, I mean, big change, the weather's supposed to be good, isn't it, this week? But you it, get it, a, you it, get yeah, a day wiped out, and then you're screwed, aren't you? The game's the game's done. I, on the on the contrary, I I have I have got less bother. About four day tests than than than, than many of my co- media media colleagues because mm. I just think the game has moved. I think the game has evolved into into something a little bit more, if not dynamic, then you certainly got more batsmen who are more used to having a fling and getting out than than mm. grinding out. And so 
you know, you're going to end up with with scores will 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 keep happening, but wickets will keep falling, and but the, these things balance out eventually. But the thing, the thing, the thing that very rarely gets taken into consideration here is how much easier it is to draw a match that you're behind when there is less time. Yeah, right. I grant you that. So. So in what you might think is the game will, will continue to be played faster and faster and faster and there'll be the, you know the result will, will continue to get more and more results whereas I tend to think that it will go the other way teams will realize that they can that it's much easier to draw draw a match when there is only when there's only 4 days regardless of however many overs we're supposed to be trying to get in and that therefore you will end up with less aggressive cricket because in, in in games where teams are slightly mismatched or when one team's had a nightmare in the first day or whatever it might be, it's much easier to hang on under those circumstances than it is when you've you know you've got a day and three quarters to survive in the final innings in a match. And so I, you know, it's just just my summation, having watched and played quite a bit of the game, is that what you what you think will happen is that you'll get more and more results. I think we'll actually get less. It's a fair point. I mean, having watched the women's ashes over four days, it was fairly evident that uh, that was that, that was uh, only going one or two ways off. Bad weather there, bad weather. Yeah, bad weather, and you know, and and without uh, without any sort of malicious intent in the comment, you know, it's not easy for women's teams to take twenty wickets to win a test match. Yeah, agreed. Just isn't um, uh, by virtue of the fact that you can't that it's incredibly difficult for them to, to hurry up or to, to, to remove batsmen who are set on not being removed. Um, Indeed. But there you go, that's the story, for, that's a, a, a thing for another time. But that's what, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You kind of, you, the, yeah, the, 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 the less playing hours, the less overs there are, the easier it becomes to kind of wriggle out of a, wriggle out of a, of a yeah. contest with I, a draw um, than it is if there's five days. I do and plus if that. we do, if, you know, and again, all it, takes is, all it takes is one day of rain and you've got, you've got almost guaranteed draw. Unless, of course, captains around the world suddenly decide that declarations and setting games up is the way forward, in which case Test Match Cricket becomes something different. Because at the moment, it, it's still which team can take 20 wickets to win a, yeah. to win a Test Match. But, but, then it, but you, could, you could then turn it into a game of run chases instead. It becomes a completely different sport altogether. Well, I can't, I'm kind of half thinking it is becoming a different game anyway. <coughs> I mean, you, you're, you're in a position, you know, Alistair Cook, this is going to be the first home test that Alistair Cook has missed since uh, since the Ashes were on were on the free to air in 2005, which is mm. an extraordinary thought. Yeah. You know that that in itself marks the end of an era. We we now got Jason Roy, white ball opener supremo, <laughs> fronting up but for England in his place. That is, if that's not evidence of a changing but game, you've just, but you've just had that the evidence of your own eyes has just shown you over over seven weeks of World Cup cricket that the thing that changes everything is the surface that you play the game on mm-hmm. more than anything else. They were the same aggressive players, the same bloke scoring 480, using the same size bats with the same size boundaries and all this kind of stuff, and all of a sudden they couldn't make 250, right? What changed? The pitch changed. It wasn't the amount of days, it wasn't the amount of overs available, it wasn't the size of the bats, it wasn't anything else, it was the pitch. So that's the thing that has the most effect on everything in the game of cricket. So, you know, if you're saying that all of a sudden the pit, we're going to play four-day test matches on, on green things and the ball zips all over the place, then fine, you may well get. You may well continue to get results at the same rate that we do now in five-day cricket, even with a day's rain or whatever, because it's just the ball zacking all over the place and, and people can't, can't bat. Um, or if you end up with pitches that are, that are as they are supposed to be for test match cricket, where, you know, tricky first hour, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, then you make your runs in the, first, in the first innings, the first three days of a test match, then you're going to find yourself getting an enormous amount of draws. 
Yeah. It's the, it's you know that's it. It's the conditions. It's the conditions, baby. <laughs> well, yeah, one thing uh, we can uh, probably all uh, be sure about is that uh, nothing much stays the same, nothing is sacrosanct. These, all these things have been changed and, and tinkered with, and we've had timeless tests and uh, eight ball overs and various uh, permutations. Uh, mm. it's, it's all part of the learning curve for Ireland, who are playing their third test. That, I mean, in fact, they probably had more experience of four-day cricket than England recently. <laughs> with interco- the Intercontinental Cup, um, the, the previous tournament they played in. Um, and they don't have a team full of test experience, but they do have a team or a collection of players who have performed uh, a lot extensively in first-class cricket, a lot of it in county cricket. Mm. Um, so, they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to know their way around. Lords, several of them will have played there. Tim, Tim Murtagh still plays there, Paul Sterling. Um, and they're going to be, as we touched on earlier, they're going to be up for making a mark, having been, well, uh, beaten quite heavily in their last match against Afghanistan and, and putting on a decent show at Malahide a year or so ago. Uh, Kevin O'Brien with 100 and, and all that. It's and, uh, Pakistan, yeah. Uh, mm. um, and they gave him a wobble on the final day. But this is a, this is a huge opportunity for them stepping out at Lords. Um, with a chance to bloody the nose of uh, <laughs> uh, you know the the oldest team in the game. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's perfectly set up for them. It's um you know the Kevin O'Brien innings was 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 a classic of its of its, of its type. It, you know, bloody minded defiance got to the, got got the, got the team to a position whereby they escaped from that first test with uh, with with plenty of dignity, more than just dignity. But I think the second time round against Afghanistan was a bit more of an eye opener. It, uh, it was just the, it wasn't so much the wasn't so much the. I suppose it's just, just it was just more evidence that that they aren't the team that that they were when they got got the got the step up to to become Test cricket. You know they really should have been test, a Test team at the end of that 2011 World Cup when they gave England the ultimate bloody nose. Four years earlier, they'd obviously knocked Pakistan out of the World Cup. Those guys were in their prime in their in their late 20s, early 30s, and you know, they were a team that had been together and had seen some incredible things. Uh, and they're just slowly dipping off now. We've already already lost uh, Niall O'Brien's up in up in the commentary box. Um, Joyce, Joyce between that first and second test. In Indeed. fact, they lost <laughs> two retirements. Indeed, those, yeah. those those two guys in in and of themselves are, are two massive losses. Um, Kevin O'Brien is mid thirties now. Tim Murtagh's thirty seven, I think. Um, Gary Wilson must be must be early early thirties now. It's uh, well, Porterfield. Um, Porterfield as well. I mean, th- these guys have 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 done sterling service pardon the pun but you know you can't just expect guys to keep coming around the block and expect to expect them to relive glories that they produced almost a decade earlier in some 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 cases mm. so i i i hope to be proven wrong but i i find it i find them in a difficult position at the moment it's a, it's a horrible time to have to transition a team right as you sort of come into into the ultimate status of the game and their warm-up game, I think, is, for this, uh, has essentially been a, a two-day match against Middlesex, second eleven. Mm. So that, I mean, it tells, we're, we're talking about whether this is warm-up for the Ashes, or, or, or Ireland's schedule is. It tells you about the crowded schedules as much as anything else, and yeah. uh, the difficulty in, in getting the balance right for first-class cricket and test cricket and so on. Um, but one, one, certainly one interesting story within um, the... Ireland playing eleven is uh, is Boyd Rankin who uh, made his Test debut for England uh, in the Ashes for five years ago mm. now uh, and has subsequently I think he's become the fifteenth man to play for two uh, play Tests for two different countries um, 
but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, assuming he's in the eleven, and, and uh, that'll be uh, again one for the one for the the trivia uh, books <laughs> in the same I, way that sort of Edge Edge well, played for and against England. I don't even know. I don't even know what. We're not going to go through. I don't even know where how you would frame you. the trivia surrounding Boyd Rankin now because he's 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 gone backwards and forwards in so many different formats and so many different eras. It's uh, I, I, can't, I can't keep up. But no, it's going to be. It's going yeah, to be. he's already played against England, uh, having uh, gone back to one exactly. earlier this year exactly. when, he's, when he's, England he's, avoided a banana skin in Dublin. Uh, <laughs> Before the World Cup, so yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you know he was he was speaking to the media today, and um, you know he, although although he must be very excited, he, he was struggling to find quite the same enthusiasm he might have done had it been the first time he'd he'd, he'd made the, <laughs> made the trip back across. But, uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, it's you know he, he's a, he's a, he's a story and a half, and I, I still feel very sorry for him that that Test match he he wasn't fit. It was the end of a miserable the most miserable Ashes tour of, of in living memory and that's saying something and uh, yeah, yeah not half <laughs> <laughs> you've probably ranked them all uh, somewhere I certainly have in yeah. terms of misery <laughs> extensively I, I, I online think, I, and I, th- I think I think Butcher's 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 tour got, got, got first tour got, got a got a mention dispatches as the least miserable in living memory so that's it because I was there so, yeah, yeah. obviously spreading but, sunshine uh, but no it's um, it, yeah he, he, he came into that Sydney test and got Absolutely battered, then limped out midway through, and um, carrying an injury, wasn't carrying it? an injury, and then got battered kind in the press as a consequence. So you know, it, it wasn't 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 particularly auspicious. Um, <clears throat> elsewhere, I mean, uh, uh, in some ways, uh, depending on how things go over the first couple of days, Lord might might start to command even more attention. But um, down in Southampton, we've got Australia versus Australia A, the barefoot derby. I'm going to call it. <laughs> um, but is this the future of uh, of touring warm-ups? I mean, Australia essentially having said, we, we played the Lions the other week, but yeah. we, we, we really we'll, want a proper we'll game, here, so yeah, we'll we're just going to play well, between ourselves. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, uh, uh, we were down at um, uh, the Aegeus Bowl for, for a washed-out uh, blast game um, last week. And um, sort of ran into Steve Waugh in the... You know, in, in, in the uh, in the lobby of the the hotel there, you know, the, the teams were staying there. And Steve sort of steely-eyed glare. I'm like, not now, Steve. We're not playing anymore. You know, it's <laughs> like, just be nice. No, he was he was cool. We were talking about him going to to a Dylan concert or something. Anyway, um, and you know, it just sort of struck me that there were you know there were thousands of people there. You know, they got the, see the two elevens. You know, fifty to sixty people in a touring squad. You know, the money and the resources that are thrown at um, uh, touring teams nowadays. In comparison to how things were 20, 30, 25 years ago, probably, um, and and probably up until the up until sort of after our Ashes win, really, in two thousand and five, um, just incredible. So you know, and and there's a lot of merit in it, um, simply because the, the the counties for a long time, because of their crowded schedule, haven't been able to really put out sort of the strongest 11s or wanted to put out their strongest 11s for the for the touring teams. And the similar thing has started to happen a little bit in Australia when we go there. Whereas before it was, you know, they'd put out the best side they could to try and, you know, so all the states wanted to beat England as well as, the, you know, and invariably they would. Another crushing Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just, you know, just to try and grind you into the dirt. But, the, you know, such is the, the nature of touring and such is the nature of home um, summers that with, with everything else that they're trying to cram in, it, it makes a lot of sense to kind of to try and take care of your own 
preparation before a test match series and not leave it up to the whims of either selectors or um, you know county county teams who might have other priorities so um, yeah, it makes perfect sense it's just eye-wateringly expensive <laughs> but having said that I mean the it, it, proof will be in the pudding and I think Australia are going to go into the ashes far better prepared than England are for obvious reasons, England just won the World Cup, so you know <laughs> they're, 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 a, they're, a, they're a bigger fish to fry. And they're all re- on holiday, resting. Sorry, exactly. <laughs> we got our, our strike bowler has both our strike bowlers have got side injuries. One of them, one of which is 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 being dealt with on a beach in Barbados. Uh, <laughs> our captain really shouldn't be playing in the Test match because he really needs a break. Uh, our best captain doesn't even play the format anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he could be playing for either team. <laughs> well, he could indeed. But you know, th- and then there's the, this Australian. Australia A tour that's been bubbling on under the under under the surface. Mm. I mean, it's it's been a real nuisance to have to try and report on at Crick Info. You know, every day <laughs> you get to the end of end of another te- another day of, of, of World Cup action. And, oh yeah, what's happening in Australia A? We've got to write about that as well. But you know, what's happening in Australia A is they've got got a bunch of guys who are getting very competitive, getting very mm. into fighting for those final final fringe places in in the Ashes squad. And now, as you mentioned, they're going to have this almighty bun fight to. To yeah. really, to really put it on the line, and the best, the best guys will get through. Uh, you know, you've got guys like it's a guy like, guy like Jackson Bird. I mean, Dan Bredig was writing about it the other day. Here, here's a guy who's competing for one of the last fast bowling places. He's he's been over here for God knows how long. He he will be as attuned to the conditions as he could possibly hope hope to be, and he's not even likely to be in the first choice team. So, mm. you know, yeah, they, they do. I mean, that they, is they look, they look that potent. was that was a really really sort of stark. Um, if you will, again, pun, pun, mm-hmm. um, sort of uh, illustration of just how well prepared Australia are going to be for this trip. I mean, you know, quite often when we talk about preparation, we talk about sort of first class matches um, in front of the cameras maybe or, or a run up in the old Texaco trophy or whatever it might have been, you know, competitive games um, in front of the, in the full public glare. Um, you know, where, where people, where you're still going out there sort of playing, batting and playing for runs and, and, and for taking wickets as opposed to kind of getting yourself ready to, uh, to play in a certain set of circumstances and conditions in a, in a test match. Now, Australia have got the ch- a beautiful opportunity here of, of doing everything behind closed doors, being able to work on the things that they need to work on as opposed to sort of being, in, being bothered about by results in matches that they're mm-hmm. playing in. Um, and as you say, the, the, the competition that, for places that comes with having the A-team there as well and the kind of, you know, the camaraderie and, and the competition and, and sort of blind hatred probably that, that will come out of that will only, you know, serve them well come the, the first test match. And, you know, Australia have, have got a... Uh, the fact that Steve Waugh is there, it's just dawned on me. Steve Waugh's with them, <laughs> you know. He's there. He's been and, and there, Ponte, involved, and, and involved in the preparations for this Ashes series. So, um, yeah, they're, they're, they've come to play. I mean, let's, let's, not, let's not beat around the bush, though. I mean, it never did Australia any harm at all to be Ashes winners and World Cup winners within months of each other. So there's absolutely no reason why the, the good goodwill, mm. the, good, the good vibes from no. England's World Cup win won't help them. But at the same time, I think that Australia's World Cup campaign was as good a preparation for the Ashes as they could have hoped for because they exceeded expectations. Uh, they also got knocked out suitably early so mm. that they could disappear off and really change mindsets rather than have to get worried and hung up in the emotion of, of a final. And also they got the, the Smith and Warner element out of the way nice and early. All the, all the booing, all the, all the, all the catcalling did neither of them any harm whatsoever. England now know that. They're, they're both booing over here, both scoring runs, both 
liable to be massive factors mm. in that batting lineup. And you know, if the, if it had been sprung on them at the start of the summer, here you go, welcome to the Ashes, yeah, pair of pommy, pair of Aussie, etc., and off you go. Uh, it could have been different. It, as it happens, it'll be Walker off the duck's back. One one thing for, from England's point of view, and definitely not lining up a bunch of excuses for him here, by the way. <laughs> the one thing that's good is the fact that it's that it is a relatively quick turnaround. I think. Because you can, because you can still, you know, you can still be surfing that wave of, of, of the euphoria. You're not going to get that far out of Nick in, over the space of, you know, they'll be back hitting balls again probably by now already. Um, you know, they're not going to have the chance to really sort of crash after the World Cup. It's, the season's still here, still alive. We're still at home. There's no travelling to be done. You know, mm-hmm. they, it, you know, they can be excused perhaps for the first couple of weeks of, of, of not really giving a toss because <laughs> quite frankly <laughs> just won the World Cup but you know they've got the, it, it's, it's short enough a time um, for, for everybody to kind of be ready ready to go again by August the 1st which means with a bit of luck you know we might get a, you know, a Titanic um, uh, tussle rather than a sort of you know we're expecting the home team to win and we'll just wait for another four years before we can see if we can win down there again it'd be great for the game if this one is a competitive one too you're saying that the crowded schedule is a good thing in this case uh, well I, only 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 uh, not not once they start it no not, not once you've got five test matches in six and a half weeks it isn't yeah, but um, between now and then yeah it's a good thing um, I mean, my, my gut on the crowded schedule though, I mean, Mike Atherton wrote a very good piece the other day about Jonathan Trott obviously based around this film The Edge that's just come out which uh, oh, well, looks good, that, it does look good Mm. But, 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 but moreover, it, it charts the decline of England's great team in the, from 20, 2010 to 2013, which pretty much fell off a cliff in that doubleheader Ashes 2013 going into the 2013-14 well, as, winter. As did 2005 Ashes winning team. Yeah, too. totally. Yeah, absolutely. So exactly the same Same, thing same story. You, 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 don't, you don't lap up, you don't enjoy the moment enough and you're straight on to the next thing. And in Jonathan Strott's case, it, 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 it cooked his <laughs> brain. Sooner or later. And... What's it going to do to, you know, like of Ben Stokes? I mean, Ben Stokes is probably the one guy whose backstory is such that he is so in the zone now. He's got so much to prove and he's riding the wave that he'll probably be fine. But Joss Butler, he had a pretty quiet World Cup, to be perfectly fair. He was talking about how, in the, in the papers at the weekend, he was talking about how, you know, he was talking to the psychologist about, I can't do, what's losing going to do to me? I'm, my, my brain is exploding here. And lo, lo and behold, he came through it. But, you know, they're warning signs, aren't they? If, 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 you, if your, your gun players are, are feeling feeling the pressure, and that's only after one leg of the double header, not both <laughs> legs. Um, yeah, careful, lads. It's uh, it, it's but one, a good one's thing. Watch. That the, good thing that they have that on tap, though. You know, I true mean, the lessons probably have been learned from from the past. Not quite wingers dingers, eh? No, but you know, you exactly can see the chaplain. <laughs> 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 um, no, so yeah, it's good good that there is an awareness around that, and the players will have that, that at their disposal, along with everything else. It's good to talk, as we uh, say here on. Dan Brettig's 17, just for, well, for the benefit of the listeners, and um, uh, I'm sure you've read his piece already, but uh, he, he has predicted a squad uh, featuring uh, Tim Payne, David Warner, Marcus Harris, Usman Kawaja, Steve Smith, Travis Head, um, Marcus Patterson, uh, Curtis uh, Patterson, I think it is, um, Matthew Wade, Mitchell Marsh, Alex Carey, James Pattinson, Mitchell Sark, Pat Cummins, Josh Hazelwood, Peter Siddle, Nathan Lyon, and John Holland. So that means no Bird, as we've uh, as you touched upon, uh, no Marnus Labuschagne, who's been scoring a lot of runs uh, for Gamorgan, no Cameron Bancroft, 
um, who's obviously had time to adjust over here. Um, but I mean, wh- whoever they settle upon, because that's one point to stress, is that this is a selection match, isn't it? So they'll be picking their actual Ashes squad afterwards. Um, but there's some there's some pretty handy players in there, and not least the possibility of lining up with sort of Stark, Cummins and Patterson uh, Quite a bit of pace going there, talking, yeah. talking about the merits of pace at the World Cup. Well, uh, Patterson, I mean, I haven't seen him, haven't seen him bowl live for, for yonks, but uh, there was some YouTube footage of, of him bowling proper wheels in a Sheffield Shield game not, not, not so long ago. I mean, you know, these, these are guys who didn't make the World Cup cut, but, you know, they're going to be fresh as daisies coming into, mm. into the main event. Hazelwood was not happy either about yeah, exactly. out on it, and he's a seriously good bowler. Seriously good. Yeah. Mm. I mean, Hudson's been playing over here for knots as well, so mm-hmm. you know there's, <laughs> they're, they're all they're all attuned. Yeah, and, and some, and you know, and let's face it, for all that Jason Roy is clearly a, a, a glorious prospect in England's top three, England's top three has not been the top three of any merit for an awful long time in Test cricket. So there are there are opportunities there for hungry Aussie quicks to get stuck into what is what has been proven. In by West Indies hungry quicks to be a fallible top three and once you're into that top three you're in, then into the rest of the batting order and the house can come crumbling down especially you know if we're, if we're you know once again seem to be heading towards a, a endless stream of all-rounders in our, in our middle order it does seem to be the way we, we, we're stacking it I, I, think, I think there are you know I, I still think England are going to be a strong prospect in this in this ashes because let's face it they always are at home these days they haven't lost at home since 2001 which is incredible um, but at the same time for all the all the reasons mentioned before I think this is going to be as good an opportunity for Australia to win over here as I've seen in a long time I was going to come back to the total cricket argument there with uh, with the all-rounders. But oh, go we'll, on then. We'll, <laughs> we'll move on. I, I, and I, I guess we just want to touch on, um, we've mentioned the, the women's test, but first blood to Australia there. They've, um, they've, they've wrapped up or they've retained the, uh, the women's ashes mm. at the earliest possible opportunity, having cruised through um, the ODIs and then... Uh, drawn the test match, which is all they needed to do. Uh, Elise Perry was sort of the uh, colossus, uh, <laughs> the crease uh, down in Taunton, 192 runs and only once out. Uh, only took one wicket actually, but, uh, uh, which is you know by good. her standard. Well, that was a cracker. <laughs> it was quite a good one <laughs> for Tammy Bowman. Um, the one thing that uh, has to be said about the that the game that just concluded uh, the test, um, a draw on a on a fairly dull pitch for all the talk about. Uh, it being a, a you know a, a raging bunt uh, yeah a used mm. surface that well, would bring England back into it. Um, I mean Australia were perfectly within their rights to, to play the, the, the game the way they did. Of course they were. Absolutely. I mean you know it's it's, it's a long series and you know there's when you're when you're six points up and there are four to be played four to play for. Why mm. would you why would you why would you have a have a roll of the dice and risk six four going into the T20s, which are as close to a lottery as you're going to get in this format? Uh, they did absolutely the right thing. They they want to win the Ashes. They they have achieved the Ashes, and now they've got three T20s in which to have some fun. Three exhibition games. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's you know I, yeah I, I couldn't agree more. That what you're, you're asking a professional team to kind of do the unprofessional thing and give the give the opposition a, a you know a, a bit of a sniff, which is just just don't do it. Um, the onus was on England very much to come out there and be able to bowl Australia out. Haven't been able to do it. Um, didn't look like being able to do it really. And um, and, and that's all she wrote. I mean, England's England's batting really has kind of been has been the most disappointing part of the series up until this point. 
Um, Obviously, they suffered that, that uh, blown yeah, away in, blown the, in away the, the third ODI. Um, um, but just haven't looked, you know, haven't really looked very assured. I mean, that Siver played pretty well in the in the, in the Test match, and um, Amy Jones looks to be a decent player. But there's there, there's some there's some funny old techniques knocking around in that in that England <laughs> batting lineup. And you, you okay, they don't get t- tested very often. But somebody is sort of laser laser straight and 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 uh, with a little bit of pace like. Elise Perry is going to knock those, knock those techniques over every time, as she did at Canterbury. Um, you know, it's an interesting argument. Oh, well, England don't get to play against like the best side very often. Well, who do Australia play against? You know, they're they're, they're a lot better than us. Who's who's teaching them how to do it properly? They're playing against each other. Well, yeah, yeah <laughs> we come back to the, so, the so same the, issue so, for the. So you know, the, the I, I think that there's been a. The, the, from what I can see, anyway, and and this is perhaps might sound a bit harsh, but from what I can see, there's been a failure in terms of. Um, in, in terms of coaching, in terms of what, what what they're being taught, how they're being taught to play, because it looked to me as though it was a pretty endemic um, failure in terms of their their batting techniques that was getting them all into trouble. Um, and so, I don't know what's going on, but it wasn't good. And so, yeah, there, there's there there is your issue. And and I guess you know for for the women's game, really really important. World champions in the in the public eye like never before. The scrutiny. Will be coming their way. The professional team now, and um, and they've they've surrendered the Ashes really, which is the I guess the most disappointing part of it. Um, and so therefore, once it's all done, I'm sure there will be some sort of post mortem, and there might be might be a change or two there. You know, on the, yeah, on the subject of scrutiny, um, they've had, had praise Mark Robinson, Heather Knight for what they did, winning the World Cup and so on. And, um, but Knight, I think, has been fairly short on runs and looked was kind of pretty pretty wiped out after. Explaining some of the, the, the well, the ODI defeats and, and even sort of whether they'd been competitive in in the Test matches. Uh, um, is there any sense that either she or Robinson are under under pressure? Well, I think, their, I, think I think they're bound to be simply because that's that's the nature of, of, of the beast now. I mean, they. I, I, f- I find it interesting comparing this era to uh, the era that, that preceded it. I was out there in Delhi in the, at the World T20 in 2016 when. England and Australia looked about as far apart from each other as 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 I've, as I've seen them uh, realistically. I mean, bear in mind that was a semi final as well. So it's not it's not about being judged against every other team in women's cricket because England are still streets ahead of most of them. We saw what they did to the West Indies. It's about being judged against the very best. And for that period, when 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 Mark Robinson came in, he took one look at the team and said, "You're not fit enough. You're not finding enough boundaries at, at funny angles, etc. You you can't run." Um, you're, you're never going to beat these guys like this. And so he took the drastic action of, of getting rid of Charlotte Edwards. He forced them to get fitter. He forced them to, to find more boundaries. And look what happened. They won the World Cup within 18 months. And uh, what an amazing achievement that was. And Australia, of course, were in a relatively fallow period. They didn't, they didn't even make the final. They got knocked out in the semis. And I think they've learnt more from that experience of being knocked out. They've gone away and really regrouped and really sort of shown their claws again. Uh, they they crushed England again in a final, so you can't judge it by what went before. You only judge it by what you see in the final of the World T20. They were they were they were streets ahead, and now once again they're streets ahead. So it's it's a tough one. You can't you can't fault what England have done outside of Australia matches for for three or four years now because they 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 have they have done everything that's been asked of them. But every now and again. When Australia come along, they, they they wipe the floor with them, and I don't know whether that's the fault of the captain or the coach. I I think there is 
you, you could ask whether there's a limit to how far Mark Robinson can take these 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 players, given that they've gone so high to a World Cup and uh, reached another final in the other major tournaments. And well, it's been been it will have been three three four years by the time this season ends. So so it's um you know that that's a that's a pretty long spell as an international coach in any 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 form. So it may may be that he feels it's time to move on as well. But it, it's really difficult. I I don't know how. You can't really blame the team for what it's done because really it's about the, the structure behind the team. It's the fact that Australia are, are paid more. They, they've got better infrastructure. They've got better um, everything behind them. Um, England have, have, have come an awfully long way, but they're still playing catch-up. Um, I hesitate to take this back into talk of administration, but um, the, uh, the English game, there's been a lot of talk about the reorganisation of, of the women's setup and obviously this will be, the, I think, the final year of the KSL um, because the 100 is coming in next year. Um, it's, it doesn't look like great timing, that, does it? Well, it doesn't. I mean, I... I <laughs> England have just become men's 50-over world champions and uh, the, the women's team struggling and, and now here's a fourth format well, put, to, put, uh, put, to, put, to, this to way. juggle with. Put it this way. When I, when I uh, was at an event the other day, I, I won't name the name because I didn't use the footage in the end because it was, it was just an un- unfortunate eyebrow raise, but I was talking to a very significant figure in the England team and... Asked and just threw the word the hundred in, and the eyebrows, the you know, eye roll in the back of the skull. Like, oh my god, don't don't even go there. Uh, you know, we talk about the strictures the men's men's team are going through. This is this is we're talking about tearing up a successful KSL that is that is that has been a proven success for the women in such a short space of time, and then bringing in something completely unknown. I mean, perhaps the women's side of the game is is more malleable. It's a newer product. It's probably going to be better supported ultimately because you know there's there's a certain equality of of, of kids coming through uh, you know all the work that chance of shine's done over the years it's it's very much the the fascinating thing about that where is are the boys pro- and girls are, are, are coming through where are the pro girls going to play t20 cricket the well, format that they will play in international cricket well that's 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 that is the question but it, again i guess they're, they're relying on on it being malleable on on the these these players just just coming through and thinking well hey we're playing the game this will be mm. all right um, but it, it's not it, ideal it, it, by any stretch of imagination. It's still up for discussion some of it, I think, isn't it? But, um, yeah. yeah. It's, Exciting times ahead. Oh, yes. The 100, uh, <laughs> Butch. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, <laughs> uh, plen- plenty going on, um, as ever. We've also got the uh, the Vitality Blast in its early stages, as well as a championship title race uh, that's warming up nicely. But more on all that to come. The summer restarts here with six tests squeezed into the next eight weeks. Cricket's come home and has now got to earn its keep. <laughs> anyway, my thanks Stop the washing to... up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, the chores lining up. And <laughs> um, my thanks to uh, Miller and Butch. Uh, you've been listening to the Switch It podcast on the ESPN Quick Info. Bye.